Ladies and gentlemen, the wait is over. What you've been waiting for is here. Spider-Man No Way Home has arrived. This is the direct primer. Everything you need to know about Spider-Man No Way Home. Heading into Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm your friendly neighborhood podcaster, joined, as always, by my co-host, Liam Crowley, the content machine. Liam, how are we doing? We're good, Matt. We're good. You know why we're good? Because Spider-Man No Way Home is real, it's tangible, and it's arriving in five freaking days. I cannot contain my anticipation any longer. I think I'm going to explode. Liam might explode. Keep a lookout for that. We will keep you (laughs) informed on Liam's combustible status. Liam, this is a very different primer episode than we've done in the past, and here's why. Tell me. Most of the time... Leading up to a movie. We've done how many movies now? I'm always forgetting. So we did one one. We did Justice League. We did Black Widow. We did Chong-Chi. We did the Suicide Squad. And we did Eternals. Correct? Yes. Six. This is our seventh primer episode for a movie. Not to mention all the TV shows we've primed up. Never have we talked about any one of those movies. Or dare I say, any combination of any one of those movies, as much as we've talked about Spider-Man No Way Home over the last few months. It has been the leading story on the majority of episodes for at least a month. I would probably guess the majority of episodes leave with Spider-Man news for the past three months. Would you agree? Absolutely. The first episode of the podcast is Jamie Foxx signs on. Yeah. This movie has been... A, a part of the direct podcast it's been embedded into our weekly showing of nerd fandom and we appreciate it for that <laughs> you know we appreciate the content um but because of that because we talk about this movie on a weekly basis we didn't want to do the traditional primer where we kind of rehash news stories from throughout the history of this buildup and rehash old takes. You know, you guys, you guys have heard us talk about this movie for a long time. And for new listeners, one, welcome. Welcome. We're really happy you're here. Thanks for coming along. Um, for new listeners, please go back and listen to all of our Spider-Man Away Home coverage that you can. Our time codes will lead you right to where all the stories are. Because of that, Liam, you you pitched an idea, just more of an open conversation. You know, I have a few talking points here. And we're just going to kind of chat about how we feel looking back as the promotion, how we feel looking forward, going in, and what we can expect. Um, and we're going to try to make it as different as possible. But, you know, this movie has just been so huge for the comic book movie community. I have the hot take. I think it's bigger than Snyder Cut. I really do. I think it's. I think it's got a cult following plus um i think that um you know obviously endgame was a moment but this movie has the same qualities it's probably not going to reach the heights because you know robert Downey jr is not in it but or is he um but um you know there's just so much happening and this is everybody's favorite hero you know everybody loves spider-man and uh it's gonna be a really exciting time and we can't wait liam i want to start with you the promotion for Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a ride it has oh, been. Yeah. There have been rumors that have driven promotion. There have been leaks that have driven promotion. And then when the trailers finally happened, the biggest movie trailers of all time. Liam, start with the rumors. You mentioned it at the top. Jamie Foxx kicked off the direct podcast by announcing he was in Electro. 
all the rumors of cameos and all the rumors of this happening and that happening and what we're expected to get based on what people think might happen through sources they may or may not have. What's been your overall thought on just the rumor narrative behind Spider-Man No Way Home? The rumor narrative is the marketing campaign, if we're being completely honest. And I really wish that leaks didn't play into it because this movie has been so smart in its execution of its marketing campaign because it knows it has fans in the palm of its hand. And it has, I guarantee, if we weren't in a pandemic era, obviously marketing changes, but I guarantee the the groundwork marketing campaign they had laid out for this movie two years ago is not what we are seeing now. I think that they have very smartly adapted to the buzz surrounding this movie on social media and use that to the advantage. Even before trailers or footage or stills were coming out, they manipulated us into driving discussion about what is the subtitle. You remember the craze about the subtitle and that 24 hours of, oh, is it home slice? Is it home sweet home? No, it's no way home. They knew exactly what they were doing the entire time. The rumors is is so integral to what this movie has become because half of them were so batshit crazy that people just didn't listen. But then others were started by the very actors. Jamie Foxx got on Instagram and said, yo, let's run it back, Spidey, one more time. And I'm not going to be blue in this one. And then he was like, ah, I, was, I was kidding. I, I swear I was kidding, I guess, because I wasn't supposed to say, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. And that stirs the pot. And then more stuff branches off of that. This movie, there's the rumors in and of themselves, I feel like started to culminate, honestly, way back in 2018 with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse because it showed that it could be possible. And then uh, at Jake's Takes on Twitter asks the infamous question during the Far From Home press junket, you know, the multiverse and everything. Is there a universe where Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland can share the screen and Tom Holland looks all cheekily? Now that we know that this is a multiverse movie, the everything that's been building towards it for the past two, three years is kind of coming to a head. And we're only a couple of days away from being proven either true or false in the biggest comic book movie news rumor uh, of the century. And it's just driven exactly what this movie is going for on a marketing standpoint. Absolutely. Um, it's 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 something like we've never seen before when it comes to rumors. Like even in game didn't have this rumor thing. You know, there were speculations. Someone's going to die, but nobody nobody could have ever imagined we were going to lose two original six Avengers in Endgame. And uh, uh, the Toby Andrew thing has surpassed that in volumes. Um, the trailers, uh, you know, people, like, it seems so crazy that, um, you remember the leak of the trailer right before the trailer came out? <laughs> yeah. Like, 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 that's a moment in time where we're all going to look back at ourselves in 20 years and be like, did you or did you not watch the leak before the trailer came out? And, and, you know, just that was a whole event online and it really was. And if you don't believe it was an event, the next trailer that came out, they literally had an event. They rented <laughs> out a lost LA movie theater in front of the show. Koi Jandrew got up there and presented the next trailer and it's insane. And it's wild. And what's even crazier about the trailers and the rumors and everything that's been confirmed and not confirmed, these two trailers drop. They break the internet. They're the biggest things to ever happen in comic book movie promotion. And then the TV spots flood the next two weeks. Flood. I have been on footage lockdown for No Way Home for a week now. I have not watched a single new TV spot. I have not looked at any of the clips. 
this, that, the other. I'm just not doing it. Um, you know, we're too close. We're in the end game now. But, you know, the ones I have seen, the new TV spots, they're changing things from the trailers. The backgrounds are different. The scene context is different. The lines are different. You know, the line, the the scene from the first trailer with the spell and, and you know, essentially how the multiverse breaks open. That scene is completely different now after another trailer and multiple TV spots. I think we know shockingly little about the plot of this movie. And my problem is, and everybody's problem is, the, the leak culture, the people who have seen leaks of this movie will respond to me when I say that and be like, yeah, but we already know exactly what's going to happen. So, you know, why even ask the question? Screw you, guy, whoever says that. You know, if you come to me and be like, yeah, but we basically already know, so I don't even know why you're even asking. Get out of my timeline. You're <laughs> not here to have fun. You want everything to be released on HBO Max day of. Mute. Big screen leaks. Um, <laughs> the, the TV spots and everything has been just such a, such a confusing time because we all want to theorize. We all want to try to figure it out. We never do. And we never will. And once we get to this theater, I think that we're going to have the end game thing. Do you remember? We all thought we knew how end game was going to play out. And then the first 20 minutes of that movie was everything we thought that was going to happen. And I, I do think we're going to have some of those similar vibes here. Yeah, absolutely. I love how the trailers have been playing uh, tricks with us because it keeps you consistently guessing. And I said it a couple of weeks ago, even the stuff that felt like an absolute certainty now gets put into question because right. aspects we weren't even considering to be tricks are now being revealed as tricks. And the trailer standpoint, I know we had to wait a very long time to get the first trailer, but I'm glad we did because it allowed for this movie to really breathe. And the the attention span of a current comic book movie audience has shrunken since your 2012 Avengers, where you can put your first teaser trailer out seven months in advance and that'll be fine. But this movie having its first teaser trailer come out three months in advance, they knew that by the time the second trailer came around or the second time that they would reveal something from it, fans would be hungry for the next thing. We were all satisfied at just seeing Doc Ock and a pumpkin bomb. But at, after about like three weeks, it was like, what else you got for us? We want more, yeah. more, 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 more. People were upset Toby and Andrew weren't in the first trailer. Yeah. Like that's nuts. Yeah. And it's just like the shelf life of appreciation when it comes to just modern comic book movies, just because we are so inundated with so much going on. It's like, yeah, having a shorter marketing campaign actually benefits you in the long run because you're able to maintain your audience's attention span versus in 2012, when I believe that teaser trailer was attached to Cap First Avenger. Like that was its post-credit scene. It was the post-credit scene. And it was like 10 months out and people were like, this is awesome. Can't wait. But I also can wait 10 months. And now it's like, no. No Way Home tomorrow. Right. Exactly. No Way Home and Boba Fett, same day, now, please, forever. Um, And, you know, it, it just speaks to the hype of this movie. There's so much buzz. This is the biggest movie since 2019. And I don't think anybody's ever going to argue that. Obviously, the pandemic has done nothing but help the hype of this movie because, obviously, it was tough sledding, but we're here now. And it's going to be really interesting to see the reception of the uh, box office for this movie. And, you know, what's going to happen uh, when people decide to show up to theaters? Are we going to break pre-pandemic numbers? Is this going to reset the bar back to normal times at least a little bit? We're going to find out. But before we do, let's dive in. Let's break down our predictions with our very own direct correspondent for the box office, Mr. David Thompson. 
Ladies and gentlemen, joining us right now is our box office correspondent over there on the direct.com. I will say the biggest Spider-Man fan working at the direct currently and a dear friend of mine and Liam's fellow Coles fan, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Florida, Mr. David Thompson. David. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I was just saying before we went live, I cannot believe this is showtime for me to predict what the Mm -hmm. box office is going to be for Spider-Man. We're that close. I, I can't believe it's right around the corner. Um, it's truly unbelievable. Um, a movie like this I've been waiting for seemingly my entire life. My expectation <laughs> is walking out of the theater and saying it's the best comic book movie of all time, Spider-Man movie, all these certain things. Like that's what I want out of this movie. And it's it's coming in fast. And box office wise, there's a lot to discuss here. Even just today, there is some more recent news and developments where things are interesting. It, it's a layered, it's a layered topic today. Absolutely. Let's let's start peeling back those layers because onions have layers. Mm-hmm. Cakes have layers. Parfaits have layers. Everybody loves parfaits. <laughs> and Spider-Man has layers and everybody <laughs> loves Spider-Man. So just kind of base stuff. It's projecting in that 200, 250 opening weekend range, which is bananas. Yeah. It's projecting in that 600 worldwide range which is mm-hmm. bananas. These are higher than a lot of the bigger movies in the MCU. And obviously we all remember the ticket fiasco from a week ago where right, everybody right. but Liam had trouble getting their tickets. <laughs> so, so true. That's a lot of buildup. It's a lot of expectations being set. Um, we've kind of gotten used to this season, these Marvel movies um, overcoming their predictions. Shang-Chi obviously sticks out, you know, expected to tank, ended up saving movie theaters. Um, so, you know, this is kind of a different role, role where we are looking to hit a mark as opposed to overcome a floor. So, uh, David, with those, predict- with those projections and the ticket sale thing, do you see opening weekend being something special, not just in the pandemic, but also within the MCU. I do think it will be something special. I currently have it. It'll be the third most grossing MCU movie of all time opening weekend. And there's a few reasons why. Um, I do believe what I'll start here. There's, I got a lot to say. Um, (laughs) We we go at the direct.com. You know, we look at boxofficepro.com which is a reliable source for tracking and projecting these sorts of things when it comes to domestic box office, opening weekend, all these sorts of things. Now, what's interesting about this and what gets me excited, it, it, it just, it's such this movie, Spider-Man No Way Home, like the more and more it grows and builds, the more and more the excitement grows and builds and gets closer and it's unbelievable. So um, for instance, a few weeks ago, so this was their first opening projection for Spider-Man No Way Home domestically. They had it at 135 million to like a range of 135 million to 185 million. Okay. So remember those numbers, 135 to 185. Fast forward to after November 29th, when every single AMC, uh, Fandango, Regal, Adam, all these things were crashing. No one could get tickets. Now, their lowest, their at least number, their beginning mark is $190 million opening weekend domestically. <laughs> so it, it didn't only improve. That's a 41% improvement. It didn't only improve, but <laughs> it was that the, their peak, their highest was 185. And now it's their lowest is 190 to $250 million. Now, if it were to hit 250 a quarter of a billion dollars on opening weekend domestically. Let's think about that. 
if it hit a quarter of a billion dollars opening weekend domestically, it would still be $7 million behind Avengers Infinity War. So keeping that in mind, that's the how, that's pretty much as high as it could possibly go. Um, one other factor to this that they mention and it's important to note. So as we know, Thursday previews are no longer midnight releases, right? There are evenings to watch these movies. And Spider-Man No Way Home isn't even normally at 6 p.m. Eastern or just 6 p.m. Generally, wherever you're located. Right. It's, it's yeah. a 6 p.m. Yeah. This movie is 3 p.m. OK, so there are going to be more <laughs> showings Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday where Thursday is going to act more like a full day um, than some other movies, even like a Shang-Chi and Eternals, Black Widow, Venom movies that came out recently this year. M- Marvel movies, that is. So there's that. The excitement, um, personally, do you, should I give my prediction right now? I kind of want to hear it. I feel like oh, you're, I mean, you're getting me all excited. I, I have it. <laughs> I have the prediction. Um, I do believe the word of mouth will be positive for this movie. Okay. And that's just a personal feeling. That's just what I, I think. I don't think word of mouth is going to matter as much for this one as maybe it did for an Eternals, which plummeted it, that movie's box office project, projections. It might, it plummeted that looking back, it plummeted its projections, which is really unfortunate because I enjoy that movie. Um, but Spider-Man No Way Home is a different story. People are curious. People want to go see this just because it is of interest to them. It is hitting different um, age ranges. Like uh, I, I teach my students, eighth graders, they're like, Peter Thompson, oh my gosh, like are you excited for it? I'm like, am I excited for it? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't be more excited. No and they're jazzed up. And they were, you know, four years old when Amazing Spider-Man 1 came out. And it's crazy. And they're all excited about Tobey Maguire and all these people coming back. So, and like, you know, older people, someone that hasn't seen Spider-Man since, say, Spider-Man 3 and 07, that kind of gave up on it after that. They want to come back to the theater for this. My prediction for this movie, opening box office, mind you, at the domestic box office in North America, is 200 20 million dollars okay um that is where i currently think it'll land um that is a monster showing uh that could be aggressive but i i think after the range jumped so significantly 41 percent, the range jumped there there's there's no holding back for this movie i think even especially because i still know people i have a good friend of mine who still has not been to the theater because of COVID restrictions or, or COVID concerns. And this movie is going to be his first one back. Like, yeah. and I think it's going to be other people like that, where this is truly a th- theatrical experience of the year of the season, holiday season, there's going to be people on break, people on vacation. I think it's going to hit $220 million opening box office. And that would blow anything else this year out of the water. And it would be, the third highest MCU opening box office of all time um, behind Endgame, of course, Infinity War, and then 13 million above the Avengers in 2012's uh, $207 million and also above Black Panther. David, a movie has not hit $100 million opening weekend since 2019 in December with Rise of Skywalker. Yep. And this movie is tracking to hit 200. I don't think we really realize how insane that is and it makes me all the more curious about how this movie would perform if there were no covid restrictions across the globe i want to know now from you 220 million dollars astronomical opening weekend would you say hitting a number like that 
is that just an opening weekend thing? Or do you think, you know, we'll, we'll get into it once there is evidence and we'll have you back on once we have some numbers. Does this movie have potential for legs or is this strictly a, you got to see it opening weekend. Everyone talks about it, but then it kind of pitter patters up. Um, I think this movie does have the ability to have legs. Um, I think something we've talked about in this podcast before I've mentioned in my writing is the pandemic has been a huge it, the, legs movies continually grossing money week after week has gone significantly down since the pandemic happened. I mean, a lot of things the the box office have because of COVID, but that especially where someone goes and sees it once and then they're like, okay, I, you know, I'm good. It's, it's on Disney plus in 45 days, like Shang-Chi and things like that. There's not as much of an urgency. This one 90 day exclusive theater release. There is no, you know, there's no streaming service that's going to pop onto after 90 days at all. It's going to be in theaters for a very long time. I think this movie is going to be rewatchable for crazy fans like us three in this room um, and, and for others across the globe where we're going to want to go experience this multiple times. I saw Star Wars The Last Jedi three times in 24 hours because I didn't know what to make of it. Right. Damn. And I, I just kept, I just I was so curious. Like I, I, I it couldn't. I couldn't wrap my head around the freaking movie anyway. And there were some other like things that factored into why I saw it three times in 24 hours, but that's what happened. Right. That's I awesome. think there's going to be a curiosity walking out of this theater and a desire to go see it again for the moments. I think, I think this movie is going to be all about moments, right? It's, it's going to shine in the moments in the, the camera pans up. We see someone familiar. We do this. We hear a certain song. We do it. We, we, we see a certain someone swinging, someone attacking, someone laughing maniacally. It's going to be those moments where you cannot go home and watch in Disney Plus. You can't wait 45 days and see it on your TV. You're going to want to go back and see it in a theater. Um, now, this is to me the leading kind of on to what the point Liam was making. Internationally, I am concerned about this movie when it comes to a global box office success. It will be a success, no, no doubt about it, like for what a success means. But being on top of like the juggernauts and, and billions and things like that, I actually am a little concerned about that. And David, I will oh. add on to this really quickly um, with the, the legs factor, right? A lot of things uh, people aren't considering is that this movie is due for a complete facelift in the marketing campaign department two weeks after it releases. Right. Yes. Because if Toby and Andrew are in this movie, they will be in TV spots soon enough because cap lifting Mjolnir was in TV spots a month after that movie came out. And so for anyone who didn't go see it, who wasn't convinced yet, That'll get them back in. And for anyone who did see it, who remembers the feeling, when that feeling is resurrected, when you're watching ESPN or watching the news and you see that TV spot, you're going to want to go back to the theater. So I think that the fact that this movie has two completely different marketing campaigns, we haven't even mm -hmm. seen the second one yet. It's going to do a lot for the box office. Matt, what yeah. you got going on? I, it's something else to consider here. And I know this is a narrative thing and, you know, I'm all about that narrative, but um, you know, this, for all intents and purposes, it's going to be a Christmas movie. And, you know, Christmas weekend, obviously a big movie theater weekend for a lot of people. Usually yep. that spot is occupied by Star Wars. Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. And there is no Star Wars movie this year. We don't know when the next Star Wars movie is going to come out. We're all just Tell me about space, it. waiting for it, man. Um, but, you know, I think that's huge. I think that's a big thing that is happening. The next best competition for this movie is Matrix. 
right? Yep. The, the following week, um, yeah. Matrix, which is projecting for a pretty good, solid outing. Um, which... I'm kind of surprised it hasn't moved, honestly. I'm surprised it's just going to sit there and take that beating. But they want, they want to be a Christmas release, you know? It's also an HBO Max release, so... Yeah. right right that exactly. sucks but Good um, point. you know nothing against matrix but i just don't think that's enough to shy anybody away from spider-man you know it's no. a classic entourage problem Vinny chase lost his box office to an animated squirrel and <laughs> and i don't factor that in at all yeah <laughs> but you know so we basically have an open runway a christmas weekend and you know like you said all this hype i do think the word of mouth is going to get this movie going i do think that it's going to do a lot of special things in the box office because this is the end game of spider-man movies and it's going to be marketed as such it's been quoted it's going to be marketed as such and i can't wait for that to happen david we can't thank you enough for coming on and chatting numbers with us man not just mm-hmm. numbers though spidey numbers you are the biggest spider-man fan on the direct i think that's pretty clear to everybody who talks to you i think i'm the most um what's like what's the word kind of what'd you say traditionalist traditionalist maybe i I, i'm like i'm completely ridiculous about spider-man i fully admit it i fully understand i'm not um even keel at all i'm completely biased (laughs) towards him i think everything he does is great i like love every single spider-man movie i like I will I will argue for, like for Spider-Man rankings till I die of Spider-Man 2. Um but I think I just like I just love him so much. I love the character so much. Like every time I hear Andrew Garfield talk about the character, I like well up because that's how I feel about him, you know. And and he gets it, right? Like beyond anyone else, Andrew Garfield, which is part of the reason why I want him to come back so much because I think he really like got screwed at the end of all that, like the fact that he was kind of turned off because it is all about making money, not much, so much about the character. To me, it is about the character, and man, I can't wait to celebrate him, you know, next week, next week. One week away, and I was going to, David, I was going to ask you what Spider-Man means to you, but I think that was a pretty beautiful way to put it down, man. We are all so excited, and we cannot wait to have you on um, here in a couple of weeks. Talk about the opening weekend, talk about where we think this movie's heading from a box office standpoint. Uh, thanks again, David. Where can we find you on the internet? Oh, I can't wait for that. And uh, yeah, you guys can find me at David Thompson on Twitter. That's two A's in the David. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. Thank you, David. Go Colts, indeed. I'm very excited to have you on, and I'm very excited to see what these numbers do. Liam, uh, we didn't get to it with David, but I want to ask you right here, right now, opening weekend, what is your prediction? $252 million. I think it beats its projections, and I I like a nice little... Even number, 252. I'm a fan of that. Fantastic. Fantastic work by you. I'm going to go 260. Shooting for the moon, man. I I do think this is going to be more than what we can expect. And it's not just because the movie. It's not just because it's Spider-Man. They're doing everything they can to set this movie up for success. It's coming out in Great Britain or whatever, Europe, somewhere across the seas. I don't know. The United Kingdom. The United the UK. It's coming out in the UK. Sorry, it's offensive, I'm sure. Um, it's coming out in the UK um Wednesday, not Thursday. And that's why they're dropping a third trailer on Wednesday. Something we didn't mention in promotion. They are dropping a third trailer the day before the movie comes out. I assume because they're gonna release some information that they don't want to be spoiled. So keep that in mind when you're on Twitter. You know, maybe just take the day off from the internet. Watch it. You don't need to. You already got your tickets. Don't watch yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's coming out a day early in the UK. Uh, David mentioned it's got three thirty showtimes here in the US and all over you know North America. They're doing everything they can to stack this movie because they're going to get the most out of it. So I'm going to go two sixty. I'm going to think that we 
don't understand how big this movie is going to be. And I'm excited about that. Um, let's dive into it, Liam. You want to, you want to finally do this thing? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's dive into the plot, the story, the characters, what we can expect from Spider-Man. No way home. Something really interesting about this movie. Um, there are three very clear plots from the trailers. We don't know how they're going to shake out. We don't know how they're going to work together, but um, you know, they all kind of fall into each other a little bit, right? There's the plot that we left off in far from home where Peter Parker's identity is revealed to the world. The plot where he goes to Dr. Strange to fix it, which is a whole plot within itself. It really is. Um, and then, you know, the reaction to that is this multiverse plot. So I think that there's a lot going on at once. I do believe, though, the identity plot, everyone knowing who Peter Parker is, what the consequences of that might be. How does Peter handle it? How do the people around him handle it? I do think that's going to be the plot that opens the movie, and it's going to be a plot that goes through everything else happening in this movie. I'm almost looking at that as plot A, and then the Doctor Strange multiverse stuff as plot B1 and B2. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it's a stacked up top and then two big things underneath it. So the identity plot, Liam, what does it look like in the MCU when everyone knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man? I think it's going to be scary, genuinely. Like not like horror movie scary, but I think we're going to really feel for Peter Parker. I think there's going to be some great camera work of how he, like get, getting into his psyche. You know, when we get the quick cuts, it's the scene from far from home, right? When all the reporters are in his face before he goes off to Europe and he's in the iron spider suit. Uh, I just, anyone have any neighborhood questions? He's overwhelmed by everything. Now he can't hide behind a mask. You know, what happens when he's Peter Parker and his face is everywhere and all of his classmates are up in his grill and everyone from reporters uh, to fellow Avengers are, are questioning what's going on with him. I think that's going to be scary. I think we can expect some Tom Holland tears very early in this movie. And I hope that this plot line is the bread and butter of this movie because I think it's so great and so genius and so unique. We talked about on Friday with our Far From Home review how they continue to reinvent Peter Parker by bringing him into situations he's never been before in live action. This is something we've never seen before in live action Spider-Man movies. And I hope that it doesn't get sacrificed for the really cool stuff that could happen multiversally. So hoping that this is not just an act one, get it, get out, resolve it. I hope that this continues throughout the entire movie. And I kind of hope it never truly gets resolved. The same way that Endgame resolved Infinity War, quote unquote, but we're now left with five years later and people dealing with that aftermath. I hope that there is some sort of residue that gets left over from this consequence from Peter Parker's identity getting unleashed. I couldn't agree more. Quick prediction off the top. Coming in hot early with a prediction. You know what Ooh. I'm saying? What if, you know, the stakes of Spider-Man's identity being revealed is, and we've seen it in the Toby movies, we've seen it in the Andrew movies. If people know who he is, his enemies can go after the people he loves. Mm. We go after his heart. Spider-Man 2002, all the way back, right? What if in the first 20 minutes of this movie, they set those stakes, they set that tone by having a villain of some sort go after an Aunt May, go after an MJ, go after a Ned. We're all wondering who this sixth villain is. What if it's a jobber villain that comes out of nowhere in the beginning of this movie? What if the MCU's Rhino pops up in the first 20 minutes of this movie, knows who Peter Parker is and goes after his people? I don't know. 
But um, something else that's interesting that I think people are sleeping on here. I really do. The whole New York versus Peter Parker thing. Obviously, the Daily Bugle has labeled him a menace, you know, public enemy number one. But do you remember why? It's because he killed Mysterio, somebody who the public still genuinely believes is a superhero, who J. Jonah Jameson believes is the world's greatest superhero. Mysterio is going to be a huge part of the beginning of this movie because it's not just that everyone knows who Peter Parker is. He is under, like legal problems like like he's i don't know how to phrase this the best he's almost getting arrested for killing mysterio you know what i'm saying that's the interrogation scene from the first trailer someone's like like he's in trouble for going after mysterio like that even though we all know it didn't shake down that way do you do you think that law enforcement plays a role in this movie and you know maybe maybe they're the the x factor that pushes peter to okay i gotta fix this there's just too much happening now I do hope so, because I think a very neat way to execute this storyline is before I erase my name, I have to clear my name because there's two sides of the coin, as you said, you know, like it's not just that his identity is out to the public. It's that he's been framed for something that he did not do or didn't go down the way the public is seeing it. And yeah, I really hope that that we get that expanded upon because it's such a cool storyline that I really hope, like I said, does not get sacrificed for the cool shit that's coming in Act 3. Yeah, I think people are sleeping on the frame framing part of this. I really do. I'm going to close this segment out with for Peter Parker to win. Spider-Man's got to lose. Spider-Man's got to lose. I, I do think that that is going to be the message of this movie. Um, we talked about it in our Far From Home review that Homecoming was a lot about friendly neighborhood Spider-Man wanting to be an Avenger and realizing it's okay that that's not it. That's kind of the theme of the movie. Great power, great responsibility. Not just great responsibility, but know how to use it, right? Um, far from home, you know, the whole, the whole theme of that movie is, you know, trust yourself, you know, believe in yourself. You can do this, all those different things. I do think a big theme of this movie is you can't save everyone. It's, he says it in the trailer and he can't save everyone. And for, for everyone to win, somebody has to lose. And maybe it's Peter Parker with the identity plot line, the big rumor, the big theory, I'm gonna call it theory, not a rumor, but the theory is that at the end of this movie, he's going to have to make the decision to, you know, leave his, you know, past life behind as Peter Parker. And, um, you know, that means Ned knowing, that means MJ knowing, that might mean MA knowing. And so do you think that, you know, we think the identity plot's going to be plot A here. Do you think that ends up being that cliffhanger you're looking for where it's not totally resolved? It might be fixed, but it's not resolved. You know, not a happy ending, but an ending. I think that there is a way to, you know, with the the MCU does this very good where there's these big culminating events and they don't want to necessarily commit to them having them be permanent. So they find a way to make their consequences be permanent. Endgame with the five years, civil war, no one dies, but Rhodey gets paralyzed and that like breaks Tony's heart. I think that the way to have No Way Home resolve everything, the deus ex machina uh, of it all, is to what has kind of been teased in the trailer, you know, Ned can't know, MJ can't know, same with Aunt May, like he's going to have to lose those relationships and by consequence, lose a lot of his memories with them. I think he may still remember, but I think we might be looking at a Days of Future Past situation when Wolverine goes into the future and he's the only one that knows what happened with the Sentinels, but everyone in the X-Mansion is is wandering around like nothing ever happened. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's the way you go about it. You know, how does he lose? He doesn't necessarily lose 
the people he's closest with permanently, they don't die, but they lose they that relationship him. with him. Yeah. And I don't even know if I like, obviously that's fascinating storytelling, but I don't even know if that's how I want it to end. But like, that's the thing. Like I'm so, I am so all over the place with how I think this movie's going to go down. Like I'm for a movie that I've been talking about for a year straight. I'm genuinely shocked how little I can piece it together. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and again, if anybody wants to come at me and be like, well, there's all these leaks. If you want to piece it together, you can't. I don't, this is the fun part. You know, this is the fun part of it. Four days. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> um, moving into, uh, you know, for everybody to forget who Peter Parker is, Dr. Strange needs to get involved. Um, he's obviously the, the second lead of this movie. And that's such a big deal for the MCU to have Dr. Strange and a Spider-Man lead a movie together. I'm so, I'm so excited for that. Um, I think he's going to be a big first act, not even first act, I guess. I don't know. Middle act, you know, player here. Right. Like I, again, I just can't piece together how this is going to shake out in order, but I just want to start this off by saying, I love the idea of characters in the MCU going to Dr. Strange for this level of help. I think that's a perfect role for him. We saw it in Thor Ragnarok which I think was one of the best scenes in that movie was just that subtle relationship between Thor and Dr. Strange. Obviously Thor didn't go to Stephen Strange there, but you know, Thor needed help. Dr. Strange helped him. And that, you know, that respect, that relationship, you know, Strange is an asshole, but Thor's Thor. So like, you know, there was some gamesmanship happening there, some respect between the two. And I really like the idea of the MCU using Strange as that utility player from a magical standpoint. Yeah, I dig that. I think Strange is in a lot of this movie. Uh, maybe only one scene per act, per se. Um, but yeah, when you look at the trailer footage with just him delivering the iconic, the now iconic line of they're starting to come through and I can't stop them. I feel like he's got a presence in whatever the big act three battle is. And yeah, I don't know how I completely feel about Doctor Strange being in this movie. He needs to be there for the plot to kind of happen. But, you know, uh, we've gotten a lot of team-ups in, in recent MCU films, uh, you know, Banner and Thor and, and Ragnarok, um, everything going on. In Widow the, and Cap. And Winter Widow Soldier. and Cap, Winter Soldier. Like, I, I, as much as I'd say I'd like to see Spider-Man stand on his own, I am willing to give it the benefit of the doubt because for anyone who had that complaint about Homecoming, Tony Stark was just kind of there as a mentor role. He was a background player, seven minutes of screen time, as Matt alerts me right there. Uh, I, if we have a lot of Spidey and, and Strange teaming up in battle, that might rub me the wrong way a little bit. Again, very nitpicky. Um, cool but <laughs> I, I think that uh, having him be the mentor figure, but also the guide of, you know, you're messing with stuff you really don't understand right. is going to be super intriguing. And especially because, you know, the hype around Multiverse of Madness has just straight up been you guys have no idea what's happening. And that's said in a tone of voice that makes me super, super intrigued. So to even get a little taste of what could be coming on May 7th, 2022, like I'm all in. Absolutely. And I I think for me, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. He does need to be there for the plot because they are doing that. Um, well, what's the name of the comic run? One what's more day. Called? One more day. They are doing the one more day idea. Um, you know, Mephisto. <laughs> like uh -huh. the pop Mephisto is going to get. <laughs> if he's in this movie is going to be so insane. And that's another uh, commentary on the power of water vision. So suck it. Um, but um, the thing about Dr. Strange, I, my only hope with him really 
is I hope he's not there just for the plot. I do hope that there is some sort of, we saw it with Tony and uh, Peter in Homecoming. We saw it with Tony, we saw it with Peter and Adrian Toomes in Homecoming. You know, you and I were a lot alike, you know, guys like us, the little mm-hmm. guy, you know what I mean? I'm working on my Michael Keaton, by the way. Nice. Um, Coming together. Yeah, and then, you know, obviously Mysterio and Peter, that's a great relationship that the reason we're so upset about Mysterio's heel turn is because they could have been friends, you know what I mean? Like, they were right there. They really could have been buddies. Um, I do hope we get some of that relationship with uh, Doctor Strange. I just hope he's there um, for character development in some way. Um, not just with him. I'm sure we'll get that, but with Peter. And I, I think there is a lot of merit there. Strange was there with Peter in Infinity War. Strange was there when Tony died. Like, like they have this relationship. They, they play it off in the trailer like, Oh, well, since we saved the world together, I believe we're on a first name basis. I think it's going to be way more uh, intimate than that. And I'm really excited to see. Really, I'm excited to see how that scene plays out. Because I, I, I'm positive that it's not going to play out the same way it played out in the trailer. I think Strange gave and here and moves on to our next question. Where does this leave Doctor Strange at the end of this movie? Why is he acting weird, etc.? I think after Endgame, Strange hung it up. Strange stopped doing the sorcerer thing for a little bit, you know, at least from a superhero standpoint, right? Because, mm-hmm. man, was that a lot of shit that just went down, right? So when Peter comes up to him for hook or by crook, for whatever reason, he decides to help. And how do uh, how do Masters of the Mystic Arts use their magic, Liam? How do they? Oh, oh, sorry. Um, they tap into the multiverse. They tap into the multiverse. Ah, yeah, our dark dimension. Universes. Mm. Well, dark dimension for dark shit, but like sure. overall, like everything a mystic arts practicer, what are they Pra- called? Wizards? Practitioner. <laughs> practitioner. Uh-huh. <laughs> wizards, right? Sure. The way wizards in the MCU use magic is they tap into the multiverse and draw magic from other universes. I think. Strange goes back into the multiverse for the first time in a long time, and something has changed. Something is different. Something is wrong. Something is not the same as it was the last time he was there. My favorite line in all these trailers, and something I can't wait to figure out more about, the multiverse is a concept of which we know frighteningly little. After the events of Loki, I think Strange is going to get into a new multiverse and break something. And I, I just can't wait to see how that plays out. I just wonder if that's going to be set up early and paid off in a post-credit scene, or if that's something that we're going to like the plot of Spider-Man no way home kind of explains that along the way leading into multiverse of madness. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's not so much of a drop here and there. It's because of no way home. We understand the issue overall. And then maybe at the end, we learned that issue is bigger than we ever imagined. I really, really dig that. And I think that that's a very easy through line to get to multiverse of madness and that's something I'm, i've always been concerned about because these movies were reordered you know multiverse of madness was supposed to come out first and i'm happy at the thought of there's this isn't the backup plan you know what they're doing now they're not mopping up the the reordered situation it's actually a through line narrative that they can play up yeah we get wanda in one more movie <laughs> Yeah. Like Wanda's coming <laughs> back in one more movie. I'm so excited. Uh, let's move on to the multiverse plot. In order to help Peter uh, cover up his identity reveal, he needs to have everybody forget when he does. Uh, so here, here, here's where I'm going to start with this, okay? The original, not the original trailer. 
the second trailer, Doctor Strange says, when you botched that spell, we started getting some visitors. That was the first time we heard of visitors. That's the first time we heard of these enemy variants coming into the fold, right? When talking to Peter, when you botched that spell, we started getting some visitors. There was a TV spot that came out shortly after where the line reads again, when I stopped that spell, we started getting some visitors. So what happens is incredibly ambiguous and we have no idea what it's going to be. But the basic idea is when the Peter Parker identity spell was halted somehow, other villains from other Spider-Man movies started coming into the MCU. And the through line, the only one we've heard, which again, we don't know if this is going to make the movie, which is so crazy to think about. They all died fighting Spider-Man. That's their fate. And that's what causes friction between Strange and Peter is they all die fighting Spider-Man. What we know about absolute points in the multiverse and variants for their fate to play out. They have to die fighting Spider-Man again. Peter's not going to like that too much. Liam, I don't really have a question. Here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this multiverse thing, all these characters coming in. Do you, what do you, what do you what what do you think we're going to be surprised about here? Is it the how they got there? Is it the why they got there? Is it the how they leave? Is it the if they leave? You know, what element do you think is going to be the biggest player here? I think it's how they leave, because as you mentioned, like they all die fighting Spider Man. I do not see this Peter Parker killing five different people in this movie. No. I think they do get sent home, quote unquote. How they get sent home is up in the air. And are we going to see like some sling rings? And on the other side of that is like Tobey Maguire, New York City. Because as, as much as we'd love uh, to see the characters back, seeing these locations back with like 2021 technology and MCUified a little bit, I love when they when they reshoot old scenes. Like when we see when we see scenes from the 1970 1980 Star Wars movies, but done with modern tech. Whenever we go to Tatooine in Mandalorian or in Boba Fett, there's something about it that just feels so cool. So like to see like returning back to those locations and those vibes, um, but done in modern day, I think it'd be really neat. But yeah, your guess is as good as mine as to how they get here, how they leave, how long they stay, if they if they booked a hotel, like what's, I don't know. 100%. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to be funny. The Raimi New York is going to be yellow. The Mark Webb New York is going to be blue. Yeah. And then the MCU New York is going to be like all different kinds of colors. But like, don't you feel like that? Like, like Tasm 1 and Spider-Man 2 are blue and yellow movies. <laughs> like, like that's how I think about them. Like the well, Raimi's are the yellow ones. <laughs> yeah. There's like a yellow hue to it. And then in Tasm 2, especially everything. Times Square and everything. Yeah. yeah. Very blue. blue light literally comes off of the screens in Times Square. Absolutely. It's crazy to think about. Um. So my, my, obviously the big question is why, why these characters, why not other characters? Why, why are they in this universe? What do they remember? What do they not? Why are they different? Why is Electro different? Why is Green Goblin different? My, I, I, I want to say they're different because they're not the characters we know. I don't think that's going to be the case. We'll talk with Tim Gettys later a little bit more about that. So I won't dive into it too much here, but um, I just think that, there's going to be a scene in this movie that is going to take so much weight off all of our shoulders when we finally learn why. What's the why? When when uh, Scott Lang shows up and, you know, what do you guys know about quantum physics? 
you know, and, and we get the scene of, you know, why, how are we going to time travel in Endgame? You know, how are we going to do this? When we finally learn how, and then uh, Tony figures it out, holy shit, you know, you can't say that. Shit. Mommy, mommy's word. She coined that word. <laughs> Best kid actor. Um, you know, that was such a relieving moment. I remember in theaters because like, okay, now we go. Now we go. I, I'm just worried for myself. I'm going to spend the first half of this movie waiting for that. Why are these villains here? You know, and I'm going to do my best to put that in the back of my mind. But once that does happen, I think it's just going to be free range from there. I think that there is an explanation before the spell goes awry or maybe shortly after. But I, I can see it now. You talk about the now we go. It's it's Scott Lang and Endgame. It's six elemental crystals scattered across the virgin universe. It's the collector explaining the infinity stones in Mm -hmm. guardians. It's Tony and Bruce developing Ultron uh, together. Science bros reunited. There's going to be some sort of scene where we get some pretty visuals about what's going on, what we just fractured. And maybe we even get like a, a name drop of something from Loki, like terminology. Like if we hear, imagine we hear the words time variance authority, like that would blow all of our minds but like i do think that there is a significant two to three minute monologue about you know the multiverse and what we just unleashed and matt has a thought expectations remember that word yeah don't let them become speculations remember how my theory is that expectations ruined the finale of wandavision Uh uh-huh what if a member of the TVA shows up to explain to Dr. Strange and Peter what's going on and that member of the TVA is Owen Wilson? Oh, my God. That I, would be it, so fucking awesome. It would be awesome. It, but it also wouldn't make sense because his mind has been, like, erased. Miss Minutes could show up. You Dude. <laughs> If Miss Phillips pops up in this, hey y'all, I will lose my mind. <laughs> uh, I that's what I'm most excited about the why and and honestly, like if we didn't see Electro look different, if we didn't see Green Goblin look different, I wouldn't have as many why questions. Alfred Molina has a turtleneck. Yeah, like I know that sounds like a stupid thing to point out, but he does. Like when he dies, he's not wearing a turtleneck. How did he get that turtleneck? You know, what's the jumping off point, you know? Um, but the suit upgrades is going to be a big part of that too. Why is Electro different? That's kind of the big question there as well. Um, let's go on. Let's just dive right into it. Doc Ock, Green Goblin, Electro, Sandman, and Lizard are the villains confirmed to return from the Raimi and Tasm franchises, respectively. J. Jonah Jameson, also set to return, has already returned to the MCU. People forget that. Is he a variant from another universe? Or is this just the MCU's J. Jonah Jameson? My early theory... Um, on No Way Home. It's changed a little bit. I don't have as much confidence on it. If I was putting a parlay together, I wouldn't put it in there. I think J. Jonah Jameson might be our explore- exploration piece here because is, is he from the Raimi universe? You know what I mean? Because if he is, why him? You know, if he's not, you know, if Toby sees jo- Jonah, what's going to happen? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, 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 does the movie just explode at that point? Because I think it just might. Um, so, uh, let's talk about those six characters off the top. Yeah. Six of them, J. Joe Jameson included. Liam, which one are you most excited to learn more about? You know, you know, I'm going to go different here. Cause I've talked about so many of them, uh, at length, 
Sandman. Sandman. <laughs> I, I want to see Flint Marco in the flesh. I don't want to see him just be like a giant sand monster. There's no reason to think that he's only going to be a giant CGI sand monster for the whole movie. But yeah, he's someone who out of all of these guys was never really a mustache twirling villain trying to kill Spider-Man. He's just kind of protecting himself and his family. And he's a guy who made a couple mistakes. And so why is he on the heel side so much? Um, yeah, I, I want to see Flint Marco back. Spider-Man 3, special place in my heart. Don't forget, amongst all that, he also retconned Uncle Ben's death. Um, I am going to talk about Green Goblin here. Uh, the rumor is he's the big bad, right? You know, yeah. that's yeah. that's kind of the thing. There's that one frame from that TV spot, which again, I'm trying to avoid at all costs, but where we see his face and he looks kind of creepy. Yeah, maniacal. <laughs> he looks like a goblin. Like, like seriously, he looks like a comic accurate goblin when he's grinning without his teeth. You know what I mean? His cheeks are all high. His eyes yeah. are all wide. I hope that the Norman we get in this isn't Norman. I hope we get green goblin through and through. I want the guy in the mirror the entire movie. You know what I'm saying? I want it to be fully like that. And then, so I, I'm going to go back to you with another question. It hasn't been confirmed that Thomas Hayden Church or Reese Ethans are going to appear in this movie. Yes, they're in this movie, but that doesn't mean much considering that their characters are both CGI. Do you think we see Thomas Hayden Church and Reese Ethans as their human versions of their characters? I think Thomas Hayden Church more likely because I haven't really heard much about Reese Ethans, uh, but... Hayden Church and, and Defoe were rumored to have signed on at the same time around really? December 2020, I think. Um, and I, I find it odd if that report was one half correct. You know what I mean? It's usually yeah. either no half measures, you know, full or nothing. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised. But also, if we're going to see three of the five faces, like, why not show them all? Like, exactly. You know, but like, why wouldn't Reese be in there, too? I I would only push back on that because his change from his like human form, Kurt Connors to like lizard is a lot more like elongated. Like Sandman can easily just be like dip in and out while, you know, lizard, it's like a hulking transformation. Sure. Receive looks really good in that new Kingsman movie. He's the guy with the yeah, long black hair. Yeah, he, yeah, does. Yeah. he does. He yeah. does. And I, I didn't realize till just now that he is um, uh, Mr. Uh, 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 Mr. Lovegood in the Harry Potter movies. Luna's oh dead. my god, he no is, shit, right? He? Yeah, and he's great in Deathly Hallows Part Two. He's amazing in Deathly Hallows Part Two. Great actor, man. Go watch the uh, the replacements. Have you ever seen it? The movie? Yes, I've not. Keanu Reeves, Gene Hackman, uh, Reese Evans, John Favreau, Orlando Bloom—not Orlando Bloom, Orlando Jones—and it's one of the funniest sports movies of all time. Joe Flacco, footsteps Flacco, huh? So good. Um, Falco, Shane Falco, Joe Flacco is a real person. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Joe Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Matt Murdock, we talked about him last week on the episode on the podcast. Um, screen time over under five minutes. Whew. Under, we'll go under. Under post credit candidate top three or next three. I'm I'm not going to go top three, honestly. Really? I think that it's, well, it's tough though, because it's like, if he has such little screen time, it makes it so much more likely that he is a post-credit candidate. But I think it's, I think it's strange and spidey. I think those are the two. 
that's why I think, man, I do think that this has potential to break the mold and have three post-credit scenes. Like, I really think it does. Also, no, because WandaVision had the uh, the uh, Darkhold post-credit scene. Uh-huh. Okay, that was good. Um, so, yeah, uh, Daredevil, Matt Murdock, that's probably going to be the biggest pop that isn't like a legacy character. The thing is, we know all the legacy characters coming back. When we see Matt Murdock on screen, like, that's kind of... That's going to be a moment, man. Like, like people don't realize Daredevil is like a top 10 Marvel Comics character. Like, as far as, like, importance and, like, uh. popularity and stuff. Him in the MCU, huge deal. Uh, Toby and Andrew, we've talked about this specifically for months and months and months. Uh, Liam? <laughs> Do you think it's going to be more than one scene? You know what I mean? Do you think we go back to them? Like, do you think they come in, we leave, we go back? Yeah, I think they're in a, a good chunk of this movie, if I'm being honest. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I almost don't even want to start getting oh, my brain thinking because we're so close. But yeah, I, I think that they are both in a sizable portion, multiple scenes, not just right. as Spider-Man, but also as Peter Parker. And yeah. Here you go. Here's here's a question I can ask that's not going to get your brain thinking too hard. Do you think we meet Toby in one scene and Andrew in another, or do you think we meet them both in the same scene? See, isn't isn't that like, what would you prefer almost? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I kind of want them like like back to back. Like, can you imagine like a portals moment, but for Spider Man? I just I everybody's talking about Toby and Andrew interacting with Tom Holland. What are Toby and Andrew going to say to each other? Like what's yeah, that gonna be like? Yeah, good point. Like that's it's it's just so insane to think about. There's just so much movie here, man. And I don't know. This is the weirdest primary episode we've ever had because for as much as we know, we know so little. And Shockingly it's really, little. It's really hard. Frighteningly to put, little. We've been quoting that for weeks. It's frighteningly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really hard to kind of put it together. But like you said, I almost don't want to dive too far in because somebody told me years ago if you speculate too much about something you're going to end up hearing something that's going to be right and you're going to be a little let down like Mm -hmm. you can hear a hundred things about what could happen if one of those hundred come true you're gonna be like "Ah." you know i mean i i I, it's not that i saw that coming but it was on the list right yeah this movie is that times 10 because there's so many different pieces coming at you so i got three more miscellaneous uh questions for you and then we'll get out of here and head into the mailbag with kind of funny's 10 gettys um action We've talked about it in our Spider-Man reviews. Spider-Man Homecoming did a great job having uh, Peter in some utilitary action where it's not him fighting a person, it's him fighting a situation. Uh, mm-hmm. The boat's splitting in half. The elevator's about to fall into the tower. Uh, car chase, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. It's very ground level, level one superhero stuff. Spider-Man Far From Home. It was that brought up to level two where he got to use his spider sense and really attack something that was attacking him. You know, it wasn't an elevator falling. It was drones coming at you. How do you react to that? This is where I think we get the epic Spider-Man battle scenes. What type of action are you expecting to see in this movie throughout? Not just the final battle, but like throughout the movie. I'm expecting Infinity War and Endgame levels of like- Let's go. Memorable stuff. Like I think we all joke about the highway scene because it's just been beaten to death in trailers. That's going to be so fucking That'd dope. amazing. Like, you want to talk about, like, you know, friend of the show, Chris Gillian, is always joking on Twitter about retire the Iron Spider suit, get rid of it. And I'm kind of in the same boat. It, it's been done 
in so many movies at this point. We've seen it so much. What a better way to go out than Iron Spider's spider little legs fighting Doc Ock. That's something that I didn't even piece together how genius that is from a stylistic standpoint until like the third time I saw the trailer. I was like, wait a minute, that actually is awesome. And then in the TV spot too, when Doc Ock turns the hands, oh, look, looks like we got, we got company. And he realizes so he's competition. Competition, yeah. He, he realizes he's up against, you know, himself. And it's sick. Yeah. And I love that. And like, if that's going to highlight the movie uh, at the beginning, what we get in the middle um, because we have obviously seen little glimpses of what the third act is going to be with the big villain showdown. What we get in the middle is, is anyone's guess. Because think about, you know, endgame promotional material, right? We saw um, some of the, we, we, we saw glimpses of the third act. I can't remember seeing any big action from the beginning. And like Cap versus Cap, Think about how awesome of a moment that was. And we had zero idea it was coming. What's that yeah, middle, what's that middle of the movie action scene that we have no idea that's coming? And the best part is, um, and, and you know, that kind of goes back to the Toby Andrew question. Do we meet him all at once or do we meet him individually? Does Spider-Man go and have a one-on-one -on -one battle with each of these villains? Is it going to be him and Doc Ock on the highway? Him and Greg Goblin in the feast center? Him and Electro in the, in the uh, field, I guess? I don't know, whatever that is. Um, is that Max 300 yards away? <laughs> <laughs> like Emma Stone's got hawk eyes. Um, and uh, you know, are we gonna see him against like MCU Peter Parker versus Tasm Lizard? But like John Watts gets his hands on it, and like yeah. the MCU gets their hands on it. Like that's probably an epic as hell action scene. It's probably incredible, and it's gonna be like the fourth or fifth relevant one in this movie. I think there's gonna be so much action here because the dialogue is going to be so heavy that the levity is not going to come as much in comedy. There's going to be plenty of comedy. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to come as much through the dialogue. It's going to come more through the action. I'm excited about that. Um, we've talked about it in our reviews over and over, over and over again. Vulture is Liz's dad. Mysterio is the bad guy. What is going to, what is going to be the gasp moment in this movie? If you had to predict one of them, I, 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 I don't, like here here it is what's the twist what's the twist here is it a twist if i if i've been like hoping it happens for like months absolutely it's you know the the spider-man arrive need some help kid unmasks uncle ben i think toby mcguire is is the mcu's uncle ben and in the toby mcguire spider-man universe he's spider-man and Within the confines of the MCU, Marissa Tomei and Tobey Maguire make up Aunt May and Uncle Ben. And when Tom Holland sees Toby's face, even though he knows that that's that universe's Peter Parker, in his universe, he recognizes that face as Ben Parker. And I think it's going to get a gasp. I think even though it's been uh, a fan theory people have wanted for a while, I think it's too good not to execute. And I really hope they do it. Kind of took my breath away a little bit there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I do. It's not that I want to correct your theory, but I want to. Can I can I add on to it? Can I add on just one more qualifier real quick? Yeah. Okay. Spider Man Homecoming quarantine watch party. Shout out comicbook.com. Right. Uh, one of the writers was tweeting along when the movie was going on, and he tweeted out 
uh, in one of the scenes when Peter's prepping to get his homecoming clothes, they go through Uncle Ben's closet. And it's this big touching scene of him getting one of Ben's old suits, right? Well, well, that scene didn't happen in homecoming, but in the trailers, people have noticed when he's on the highway and he's sitting on top of the car, he's in the exact same suits that Tobey Maguire wears in Spider-Man 3 when he faces off against New Goblin and they're fighting over the ring. I'm just saying there might be even the tiniest sliver of weight to it happening. I'm not saying it's gonna, but it, it, just, it just might. And I really hope it does. Really good. <laughs> I hate it, but it's really good. <laughs> it's really good. Um, and also, okay, so let me add on to that one layer. I think it would be weird if Toby just showed up and he says Uncle Ben with no context. What if it's an emotional scene with Aunt May and they finally talk about Uncle Ben? Aunt May finally opens up. It's a flashback, and it's Marissa Tomei and her husband. Camera pans around. There's Tobey Maguire. He doesn't say anything, you know. It's just it's just shown that it is him. Like that's the gasp, right? Like that's uh, Liam's wearing four layers in a sweater and he's got chills. You know, it's <laughs> um, ten degrees here in Syracuse. Thirty sixty-five here in Denver. Um, it's. Crazy to think about. So yeah, I I, I uh, don't have anything better than that. So I'm just gonna bypass. Um, all right, Liam. Final predictions before we head to the mailbag. Um, how does this movie end for Peter Parker? How does this? What's what's the end result here? You know, obviously he's gonna win. It's a superhero movie. Um, how, what what? Where do we leave off with Peter Parker here? Heading into what we hope is the new trilogy. Just. I don't even know. <laughs> Makes it, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's tough crazy. because there's some there there are like three key options. Either everything gets resolved and we go back to living in harmony in the MCU, or harmony. most stuff gets resolved, but he's kind of in chaos still in the MCU, or he goes and continues his life in another universe and we see him more towards the Sony side of things. I think any of those avenues are possible. My my biggest hope is that we get endgame levels of resolution, but also endgame levels of consequence that will stick with Peter Parker from now until the end of his days. Because we're we're seeing endgame uh consequences play out in literally every single Disney Plus show. Like literally the 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 big crux of every one of those stories is endgame consequences. I would love for Peter to have to live with whatever happens to him in no way home for every single time he's on screen for the rest of his days. Yeah. It's, um, it's going to be crazy to find out where Peter lands here. And it's, it almost doesn't make sense for it to be a happy ending, but I, I think it's going to be, I just don't know. I feel like he's going to lose somebody and I don't know who that's going to be. Um, I think happy's my favorite to die here, but, um, I don't think that's a big enough consequence for the magnitude of this movie. So Rich Tomei gets on the chopping block a little bit. Um, I don't think it's going to be Ned. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be sad, but you know what the best part is, Liam? With all these pieces in play and just how negative the story seems for Peter Parker, when it does have that uplift at the end, 
when we do get that triumphant whatever, whatever it is. But when we get that triumphant something at the end of the movie, that's just good. That's good popcorn, man. That's that's the best popcorn you've ever had in your life. It's good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been Spider-Man No Way Home. Primer, remember, our weekly episode will be dropping on Wednesday, December 15th, episode 64 of the Direct Podcast. And then Friday, Spider-Man No Way Home review. We're dedicating an entire episode to it. Me and Liam will be waking up bright and early Friday morning to get that recorded for you because we are seeing it Thursday. <laughs> um, it's it's going to be awesome. Thank you all for riding along with us. And thank you, Spider-Man. You know, it's going to be a good time. But right before we leave, we're going to answer a few of your questions we're going to dive into the questions you have about spider-man no way home a lot of looking forward post credit scene predictions um you know what we see the next trilogy looking like this that the other and we're doing it with kind of funnies tim gettys ladies and gentlemen the mailbag ladies and gentlemen it is time for the spider-man no way home mailbag my favorite section every primer episode for a movie this big and for questions this importantly and we needed to bring in the big guns. We need someone who knows this character in and out and up and down and left and right and all around. So I found the biggest Spider-Man fan I know. I have listened to this man talk about these movies over and over like Tim McGraw, up and down the street like Mardi Gras. Audience, I give you the fidget spinning, 30 under 30 winning, video game playing, Mario Party slaying, movie reviewing, Home theater viewing. Can I get two claps in a Ric Flair? Woo! Woo! Kind of funny zone. Tim Gettys. What an intro. Wow. Thank <laughs> you so much for all of that. Yeah, it is it is crazy to think for those unfamiliar with me, which is probably everybody, because uh despite <laughs> no. that amazing intro, I am just a dude that really likes Spider-Man. Uh, but it's crazy to think that over on youtube.com slash kind of funny, uh, we started a show called In Review a couple of years ago where we would do a rewatch of the MCU leading into Infinity War. That has turned into a major podcast where we have done so many franchises, but one of the ones that's most near and dear to my heart is the Spider-Man movies doing all of them and we are now we did them years ago for in review but now we're doing a rewatch leading into uh no way home which i'm sure everyone listening to the show is doing as well and man it is just crazy because our reviews tend to be two three hours per movie and the fact that we've now done them all twice i I can talk about these movies till till i'm dead and i'm probably going to that's exactly why we had you on my man i know that you are in the right mind space to answer some spider-man questions we just broke down all the ins of outs all the ins and outs of what we think is going to happen in the movie we're going to answer some mailbag questions a little bit of a looking forward theme here a lot of what's going to come next and all that type of stuff so let's dive right in you know what i mean let's 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 get in there man let's let's get all up in there all up in there and personal we're going to start a lot of people ask this question, so I'm not going to single out any particular person, but anybody who sent it in, thank you. You know who you is. The post credit scenes. What are our predictions for the Spider-Man No Way Home post credit scenes? I do want to start off by saying, traditionally, we get two. We get a serious one. We get a funny one. If any movie is going to break the threshold and have three, I think it might be this one. So Tim Gettys, Whoa. I'm going to start with you. Coming from kind of funny, what are your predictions for post credit scenes for No Way Home? Yo, that's really interesting. The idea of three. And off the top of my head, and I might be wrong about this, but I don't think we've ever gotten three 
in any movie before it gets a little bit weird because sometimes there's like a end of movie stinger that feels like a post credits, mm-hmm. but isn't a post credits. Um, so I, I could see something like that. What's interesting to think about here without getting into this too much, because I'm sure everyone listening knows this looking at the post credits. I don't think that there is a pattern we could identify over the course of all the MCU movies, because even within the MCU, there's the different franchises. They follow different rules. Sometimes they don't follow rules at all, but Mm. just looking at two things, phase four and the Sony MCU Spider-Man movies, what have they done in the past? What have they done in recent times, right? Homecoming, we get uh, two of them, one being the joke, patience, captain America, one being the uh, setup for Scorpion and, um, you know, we haven't got that yet, but I imagine we will one day, maybe, maybe somewhere. I doubt it in this movie, but maybe. <laughs> um, and then Far From Home, we got the amazing J. Jonah Jameson, yeah. uh, you know, situation, the reveal, all of that's one of the craziest post credits of all time. But we also got the the scrolls, uh, which was kind of played for a joke, but it really was a setup for. Uh, what will eventually be Secret Invasion and um, the Marvels, you got to assume, right? Mm -hmm. But then looking at the MCU Phase 4 movies and TV shows, we've kind of gotten a mixed bag of a bunch of different things, but I do think that if there is a trend I can kind of point to, I think that a lot of these movies, post-credit scenes, are, if there's two, one of them is trying to promote a movie, an upcoming movie, and one of them is trying to promote an upcoming show. So I think with that... I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there just for fun here. But theorizing on it, potentially, with what we know, what we think might be in this movie, I would not be surprised to see a Venom crossover. We need an answer for what happened after Let There Be Carnage's post-credit scene. Something, I I know, Hey, it's this is the world we're living in, and we're going to get it, so let's just hope it's good, okay? Uh, And then... But I think it's a guarantee. I think at the, we're, we're 100% going to get a Tom Hardy Venom post-credit scene in this movie. What it is, I don't really know, but I think we will. And then the other big one is probably something related to Daredevil. Like, I think that we will, we'll, at most, at most, 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 we'll see Matt Murdock either in the suit or looking at the suit. And I think that that will be, I hope, that there is an actual tie to Echo. I, I think that what they're going to try to do instead of having another Daredevil show right away is use Daredevil as, and Charlie Cox as the pull to get people even more interested in Echo as a show. Yeah. And some type of drop similar to what we saw in Black Widow setting up Hawkeye with Yelena. I can see something like that that'll make the audiences go, oh, shit. Like, we, the, Echo is, is required viewing for the people that, you know, might not be as hardcore sure. as in it as we all are. Uh, and then, of course, the other option is a setup for uh, Multiverse of Madness, which, yeah. That, that to me, seems like the lock. Liam, I'm interested to hear what you think. There's so many options. That's the thing. There's a lot of different players on the board that have forward-looking projects that aren't Spider-Man. And I think that we can get a lot of different things here. I have to think one of them has to be Spider-Man related, though. Liam, what do you think of Yeah, I mean, listening to what Tim had to say, at first I had two in mind, and then three, and now I have like five. Um, I'll I'll, I'll talk about the new ones. I'll talk about the new ones that Tim didn't say because I do think we get a Venom. I do think we get something related to Multiverse of Madness, just because that is the next theatrical release, and Doctor Strange is such a big part of this movie, and he obviously will be an an integral part of wherever the multiverse storyline goes um, in the future. But the two that I was thinking of is rather than doing a MCU future and a Spider-Man future post-credit scene, I think that there's a likelihood we do a future, you know, one of those two, 
and then a John Watts future post credit scene. I do think one of the post credit scenes we get revealed who bought Avengers Tower. It oh, ends up being that's the Baxter good. Building and the Baxter Building, Fantastic Four. That's what John Watts is directing next. So I think that could be a nice way to pay homage to thank you for everything you've done for the Spider-Man universe. Go see his movie when it comes out, probably early 2023. Or the other one that I just got hooked on thinking of this new trilogy that we're supposedly going to get. I know get. exactly where one, he's going. <laughs> what's the one thing that everyone wants to see? What's the one character we haven't seen that has such a big part of Peter's relationship? Harry Osborn, I think it would be really cool. Not if we get a casting reveal because... I would lose my mind if, you know, Timothy Chalamet walked on screen. Oh. Hey, I'm Harry oh. Osborne. I'll oh. see you in the next movie. That'd be wild. <laughs> I think uh, a realistic one we could see is Peter applying for college and we see on the computer screen, he gets assigned his roommate and it says Harry Osborne. See you next, uh, in two years or something. That could be fun. Chill. Yo, that's, that's, that's really, really cool. I, I do want to uh, talk about what you just said for a sec, because I think that there's a lot there. Uh, what we're talking about the the three post credit scenes and how sometimes the end of a movie feels like a post credits. I would argue that the the final scene in Homecoming kind of has that vibe of Aunt May finding out that uh, Peter is uh, that Tom. Thomas right. Peter is Spider-Man, right? And I can see both a Doctor Strange tease not being a post-credit scene, but kind of just being like whatever Doctor Strange's last appearance is in the movie can kind of be what's setting up Multiverse of Madness of like, I don't think it needs to, be, we get it at this point, right? Especially mm -hmm. with what this movie's introducing. Like, we know what's happening. So I think all it would require from Strange is just a line of like, things are bad, I gotta go handle it. And that's enough of enough of a tee up for us for, okay, we get that there's a sequel coming very soon. I and gotta go conquer it. What's up? I gotta go conquer it. There we go. There we go. Uh, and then the other side of it, though, of what you're talking about with the buying the building, that's another thing that I think they could just, it doesn't need to be a post credit scene. It could just be one of the final things we see in the movie. Maybe we yeah. see, maybe we, we, our final shot of this movie is Tom doing an epic New York swing scene and we see him swing by it and there's something on the building that just lets us know. Um, and maybe like to give a, give it a glory moment, give it a, like yeah. some, some pop and circumstance, but I feel like that'd be really cool. Cause I mean, at this point, like we all expect it to be fantastic for Baxter building. Right. Like I think that that that's adding up, but Matt, what'd you got for me? Well, I mean, you're talking echo, you're talking Matt Murdoch and you're talking Wilson Fisk. You know Dude, what I mean? And, like and that's something that like, I <laughs> hadn't even thought about until like two weeks ago. And um, my, I was talking to my friend about Hawkeye and they brought it up. Like what, what, what if the tower is not who we think it is? I'm like, Oh my God, that's actually brilliant. If mm -hmm. that is the case, I don't know if they're going to go, uh, that big with it in this movie i think sure. that might be more of a tv show reveal because they have been talking about the tower uh a lot in hawkeye itself right i agree but the tower and i mean you look at uh spider-man homecoming the tower being sold was the b plot of that movie really like like that was the villain plot like hey that's the big score one more big score red 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 dead redemption you know what i'm saying like this that was the move and the hawkeye thing episode five comes out no way home comes out then we get the Hawkeye finale. This mm -hmm. could be what we've been waiting for um, that we got with Baby Yoda and the Rise of Skywalker where the Disney Plus and the movies really just come together a little bit. I didn't love how it was handled then. I hope I like how it's handled better now. Um, <laughs> just to kind of go off, uh, uh, you guys took all of mine, which is great. You know, you, that was the entire list, but that's great. There's so many options. Can I, Somebody, can I ask a question though about hit, the Venom? What do we think is going to happen with Venom? Like, what, like we, we all expect <laughs> Venom to be in there. Go for it, Matt. Hate, I hate that I think he's going to be in it, but a later question on this list that I'm about to erase is, will we get the what the fuck moment that we've gotten in both movies so far? First with Aunt May, then That's with Peter. 
maybe Peter's just walking down the street. Venom pops up and Dom Holland looks at him and says, what the fuck? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think it's just a tease, just a reveal a lot like the, um, uh, the Spider-Man PS5. What's the name of that game? Is it Spider-Man 2? It's just Marvel's uh, Spider-Man. Oh, Spider-Man 2. Marvel Spider-Man 2. Yes. Right. From Insomnia. Just like then when Venom just flashes there at the end, I think we get some symbolism shot like that. I don't know how it's going to intertwine. I don't know how it's going to work together. I'm low-key going to be surprised if Venom isn't a bigger part of this movie just because that post credit scene has already done that. The whole, oh, they, he, they know each other thing. But it just doesn't really fit with the trailers that we've seen. I don't really know. But, you know, if anybody's got any Venom suggestions or predictions i'd love to hear them because I'm, I'm just so lost in the sauce of what they're going to do with this character already putting him in this universe like it's already happened you know yeah. it's not like will it will it won't it it's already been happening we've seen jay john jameson in the daily bugle it's the mcu i don't know how it's going to play out yeah it's interesting i i, I have no idea because there are so many ways they can go with it and i feel like it's the most unpredictable thing ever because of how sony has treated these properties like even just looking at the trailer for morbius it it raises way more questions than mm -hmm. it answers and you know maybe it'll all work out and maybe it'll all turn into something that is like adjacent to the mcu in it but not but it's still satisfying in some way i don't know in my opinion i am really 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 hoping that we get an upcoming deal between mcu and sony's uh pictures that is more than just Spider-Man movies. Like, I hope that maybe if MCU was in charge of Venom 3, or like, not in charge, but like working on them, partnering right. with them the same way they did Homecoming and Far From Home and No Way Home, that there's a higher chance of success at, at a Spider-Woman movie and at all the things, Craven and all this stuff that we know is upcoming, uh, building towards a, a proper Sinister Six. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think that the what the fuck thing is a, is a good idea that i think has a likelihood to happen yeah. um the what the fuck moment was the end of homecoming and it was the post credits of um far from home so it being a post credits totally could work um i think they might play it a little more serious than that sure. i do think we're gonna see tom hardy i think we'll actually see the actor tom hardy um i do not think he'll be in the movie proper i think it'll be in the post credits um i my bet is Something about it, it's going to tease a symbiote taking over Spider-Man storyline in the future trilogy. Love that. Love that. I love that as a, a, a MacGuffin tease almost, you know what I mean? Not a character, yeah. but just a thing, you know, you know, Eddie Brock comes in, yeah, Peter, you know, he got some crazy stuff going on, you know, oh, something God. like that, you know, something crazy like that. So I'm really hoping uh, one more prediction I had was it fades to black. And all we hear is you want to know what's next? You sure you want to know? Oh, God. The story isn't for the faint of heart. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. Um, next question comes from Turbo Feet on Apple Podcast. Excellent name. I like Turbo Feet. Um, so the next Spider-Man trilogy, we're talking about it. You know, it's, it's almost inevitable to happen. We assume it's a three-picture deal with Tom Holland. Who do we think is going to get behind the camera here? That's going to be a huge announcement whenever it does happen because obviously, um, you know, we've gotten a lot of great stuff. Um, in this first Spider-Man trilogy. And, and uh, you know, that's been parlayed into a Fantastic Four trilogy. So, Liam, I want to go to you first. Who do you think will direct the next Spider-Man trilogy? Kate Heron. Loki director Kate Heron. Let's go. I think there's a reason why she didn't get season two. She's spoken in interviews about how Spider-Man is one of her favorite Marvel characters. And it's odd. You know, the only Disney Plus show confirmed for a second season. And before the show even wrapped, she had announced that she wasn't coming back. 
And whenever she spoke in interviews, she was just talking about how she put her heart and soul into it and she didn't want to, you know, exhaust herself again. And that's just not how directors talk. No director goes, oh, I had my MVP season. I'm done. I'm going back to the small indie films. She has something bigger down the line. I truly believe Kate Heron will help the next Peter Parker trilogy. Wow. Friend of the show, Kate Heron. Friend of the show, Kate Heron. She hey. played coy when I asked her that question. I love it. That's awesome. That's really What's awesome. Up? Tim, you, you review a lot of movies. You've seen mm-hmm. a lot of directors. You've seen a lot of directors do multiple movies and review them. You know what I mean? You got yeah. a feel for this kind of thing. Who do you see taking on the college Spider-Man trilogy? Now, here's the thing, guys. And this is what bums me out supremely. Hmm. I am in the camp that I am not sure we're getting a trilogy of Spider-Man, Tom Holland movies. If we look at all the quotes and everything that's been said in the last week, it's really iffy and it's really dicey. And of course, they're trying to not spoil No Way Home. So I, until we see where No Way Home ends and where Tom Holland's Peter ends up, I'm not confident in saying this. I feel like we need to know a lot more about what Sony and Marvel's plans are going forward uh, because she talked about a trilogy of Spider-Man movies, but she didn't say Tom Holland would be in all of them. Right. She kind of like kept stopping and starting her sentences in weird places that you can kind of take and make headlines any way you want. I think, I hope that we get a trilogy, a college trilogy of Tom Holland, Spider-Man. I think that would be absolutely incredible. And it could, depending on how this movie ends, really kind of give us the most traditional spider-man new york let's get back to the core Mm storyline that we've gotten so far uh but i do think that uh it's it's a little early to expect that so i would say that uh liam's answer of kate is really really good and i wouldn't be surprised but it might just be one movie yeah that's 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 definitely a possibility this whole sony disney thing has been the vein of my existence ever since uh that twitter account is spider-man back in the mcu started happening you know what i mean like it's it's been a whole thing but you know money's gonna talk assuming that there is a trilogy assuming even if it's like two tom hollands and then maybe we get a miles morales um i want to first throw out matthew vaughn you know i love first class he's got the kick-ass comedy chops so i think that he can handle the tone of it i'm not really sure you know what his longevity is as a director of spider-man would be liam kingsman too Kingsman as well, you know, action plus comedy. You, you'll that. find that emotional core having a Peter Parker character. But one more thing I want to point out with the idea of um, Spider-Man movies transitioning into uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man movies. Oh, wow. I'm going to butcher it, guys. Rick Famuyiwa, the oh, guy yeah. who directed Dope. The Mandalorian episodes. Mandalorian, yeah. yeah. He has three great Mando episodes, some of the best. Uh, the yeah. Bill Burr one. The one uh, with uh, Cara Dune uh, talking to the Death Star guy. That's the only thing I remember from the episode off the top of my head. Um, But he also... Yeah, it's great. Um, He also did Dope starring Shameik Moore, who plays Miles Morales, obviously, in the Spider-Verse movie. So he's got that kind of touchstone on a, like a, you know, a conspiracy theorist web thing. But I just think that he's got a good tonal background. He's got the popcorn chops. And I think that he's ready for a bigger role as a director. Um, Moving on, guys. This is another uh, next trilogy question. So Tim, <laughs> suspend disbelief just for a Oh, second, yeah. Right? And again, I'm not saying that it's not <laughs> happening. I'm just saying, like, I, I don't want to get my hopes up right now because I think it could mean a lot of things. I, Miles Morales is one option. I don't think that that's the direction they're going to go. I think uh, they want to, and I think inevitably we'll get there. But I just, I'm not 
confident it'll be in the MCU. It might be just purely on the Sony side of things. I do think there's also uh, the fact that we're getting Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire most likely in this movie. And what are they going to do with them, if anything? Is this their final send-off and this their, their, their final moment, final tribute? Or is there a chance that we get more uh, of one or the other? I think uh, to McGuire is a little less likely, but Andrew Garfield, a theory I have that I am really, really hoping comes into existence is what if Andrew Garfield stays in the MCU somehow or gets back to the MCU eventually and is Ben Riley, like takes up the, um, yeah. the character of Ben Riley, like, cause my least favorite storylines in Spider-Man are the clone stuff. It always gets convoluted. We already have scrolls. We already have shapeshifters. There's so much of this that like clones is just like, all right, guys, this never really works out. It's kind of like introducing mm-hmm. time travel where it's like the moment you do that, there's a lot more questions being asked and like a lot easier to be like, oh man, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. Clones are the same way. Um, but the idea of him kind of taking up a, a different persona in the MCU could be interesting. Yeah, and that no, could be its I- own movie. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Uh, one of the questions sent in by Dylan Bressler on the Apple podcast, he asked, do you think Andrew Garfield could be the Sony-verse Spider-Man? So Tom Holland hangs in the MCU for a while while they do all these Sony movies with Andrew Garfield, continuing the TASM in a way, but maybe a little different. Um, and, you know, I just think that I agree. Tobey Maguire, I think this is going to be a hero moment for him as Spider-Man, you know, the legacy Spider-Man, the send-off, you know, one final go for the guy that, you know, we all grew up with as Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I think Andrew Garfield, there's a lot to chew on there as an older Spider-Man. And I think that is, if if there's any world where they want to have two Spider-Men running at the same time, hell, Warner Brothers is doing it all over the place, right? Um, if they want to have two Spider-Men going at the same time, I think Andrew Garfield's that guy, MCU, Sony. I, I, I don't really care. I just want to see that man back in a Spider-Man suit, making the quips, doing the doing the uh, the car robber scene from The Amazing Spider-Man. I think that's the best spider-man scene we've ever gotten in spider-man movies i want more of that and i think that andrew garfield's the avenue there i completely agree i i think between the two especially garfield would take a lot less convincing i feel like he wants to finish that chapter of his acting career you know tasm 2 should not have been the ending for him personally he put in too much work matt you said it on on our tasm 2 retrospective review He's the quarterback that gave it his all and his defense just let him down every single game. And so I think if he was proposed with the idea of you go play Spidey on Sony's lot, maybe that be the Venom verse and have Garfield Spidey and Tom Hardy's Venom be the ones that clash rather than Holland and Hardy. I think that could be very fun. I think that's very appealing to Garfield because between the two, like I said, McGuire, I feel like took a lot more convincing to sign on to this movie, knock on wood that he's in it, you know, let alone we still haven't seen it. But if, you know, it's going to be one of the two, Garfield is all the more likely. And I think he would want to do it. He wouldn't have to be like, here's a boatload of money. Here's our creative plan. I think he wants to finish that chapter of his career. I really hope so. I really hope so. Um, I, I have a question about the plot of this movie, and this comes from Eddie Pavisic from Twitter. Basically what he's asking, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. The, the goal here at the beginning of this movie is for everyone to forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. That's, that's kind of the base of this plot that we all think that we know about, but the trailers change every other week, so we don't know anything going in. Um, you know, the base is everybody forgetting Peter Parker. What if the sacrifice at the end of this movie is just that, you know, he does have to end up just hunting and everybody forgets that Peter Parker is Spider-Man and that goes into him kind of, you know, removing his current friend group as much as we love MJ and Betty and Ned and all that, all that squad, 
maybe that is the way we move into the Harrys and the Gwens and the other uh, Spider-Man supporting cast. Do you guys think that there's any chance that movies moving forward with Tom Holland, we can expect at least one, um, you know, do you think that there's a chance that we get that next supporting cast in omission to the current supporting cast we have? Tim, do you have any thoughts on that? I, I think that you're spot on uh, with what you're saying. I mean, like if you if any of you guys have read the, the the comic lines that this movie's loosely based on and applying the MCUification that they do to traditional comic book adaptations and the changes that they make, uh, this being that kind of uh, one more day, brand new day uh, storyline of Spider-Man, yeah. like that that storyline ends with him like wishing stuff and eventually like messes things up. And then the way that it has to go back, he, he gets that May back, but him and Mary Jane aren't married, don't are not in love, don't know each other. There's that sacrifice. I do think that they're going to adapt that to the MCU. And I think what you just said is probably going to be the way I think this movie, like it's going to end one of two ways in terms of the supporting cast. I think it's going to be very dark. Either one of them. I think either everyone's going to forget who Peter is, or I think everyone's going to die. Like I know we're going to get some death in this movie, my question is, is it is it May? Is it Happy? Is it MJ? Is it Ned? Is it some combination of all of those? My money right now is on more than one. Really? Oh, wow, that'd be nuts. You know, uh, Happy's my front runner for death. That's another question we have here. A lot of people ask it. Uh, Happy's my front runner. Just again, you know, in this Tommy McGuire vein, you know, a great send off for a legacy MCU character who's literally been there since day one. This guy helped build the MCU. The biggest movie since Endgame, his death, I think would be appropriate. Liam, who is your front runner, your favorite for a death out of the supporting characters or just any other character? Well, I, I feel like a lot of the villains are going to die. Um, some might stick around, but a lot will likely perish. They all die fighting Spider-Man. I think that that line is going to hold true when they do cross over into the MCU. But yeah, Happy Hogan seems like the, the likely favorite right now. And it pains me. I said this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. It pains me to say, oh, he's the favorite to die because I don't want him to die. That sounds like positive. Like, ah, oh, come on, Happy, like fight the bullet. Like, we don't want that. But he's, it feels like it might be time. And I feel like, and a really good way to strike an emotional core to this movie is not only is it Peter losing someone close to him, but it's May losing someone close to her. Right. And then you start dealing with the consequences of this is what happens when people know you're Spider-Man. This is what happens um, when you're irresponsible and stuff like that. And you're trying to act bigger than you are. So I think Happy Hogan would really strike a very specific emotional chord in this movie early on too. So that by the time we get what we assume is the climactic battle and MJ is falling, it's all the more edge of your seat. Oh my God, he can't lose someone else. So happy is my most likely a couple villains as well. And yeah, I, I, I'd be shocked if we get more than one emotional death. Are we excited for this? <laughs> like, like this, is, this is haunting. I hate this. Right? Uh, my money's yeah. on May. That'd be nuts, man. Yeah, that'd be I, so crazy. I, I know, man. My my money, my money's on May because of how the MCU has treated this iteration of Peter and the way that we he lost his uncle Ben. We just never saw it, but he does refer to it. He does his own version of the with great power, great responsibility speech uh in Civil War, I think it was. Yep. Uh, and then we we see him lose Tony, who in the MCU is that father figure. And doing our rewatch of Far From Home, you can watch now on youtube.com slash kind of funny. Um, one thing that we we talked about a lot is this Peter's need for father figures. And we kind of see him constantly trying to latch on to these different characters, including Mysterio. And that is why he gets so played in that movie and all that goes down is because Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio is there for him 
in a way that no character ever has in the MCU. Tony was, but was always kind of standoffish and like played hard to get. Mysterio was like, I'm your boy and played him and lied to him, right? But um, Tom is so desperate for these father figures. So I, I think that uh, him never on screen losing somebody that is like purely his and that close to him, I think may dying while it would be wild really sets up this movie in a place where I think that this Spider-Man needs to lose it all yeah. at the end of this movie so that it is going forward. We are like, what is about to happen here? And I think that he's going to need to be alone and rebuild and not have the Avengers, not have happy, not have may not have any answers, go to college and figure it out. Be poor, be, you know, to have those Parker struggles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, really take an infinity war approach, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Friday night lights, you know, it's just over. And it's, you know, I, I, I agree that that's, you know, that's going to be the end point. There's just so many avenues to get there. I feel yeah. like Liam, you're smiling during all this death talk. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> no, I was getting hooked on a thought of when Tim was mentioning all the father figures and like, who could be next? Oh my God. Just if Matthew McConaughey, Norman Osborne put his hand on Peter's shoulder, it's like, Peter, listen, it'd be amazing. I got an internship for you. We'll take yeah. care of your college. Don't worry yeah. about it. But we I mean, your, dude, that's, we need, we need your freaking blood. Like, something of a scientist myself. that's something really interesting though is the idea that you know um the the legacy of these movies means that us as audience kind of understand characters and origin stories and have connections to green goblin and willem dafoe's goblin and we know what that means melina right all that stuff like we all have all these connections which because of that because there's been so many iterations and reboots of spider-man in the last couple decades um it means that they're limited kind of in in their storytelling of what if they just had access to everything from day one what story would they have told and the mcu has proven they make that work iron man is a perfect example right like they would have never done that had they had rights to spider-man from day one Mm -hmm. Uh, but because of that we're in this weird place where introducing all of these iconic characters to tom holland's peter I don't think there's any way that this movie ends with Peter's mind being erased with Peter's memories of this being erased. And that would be fucking horrible. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. Um, But because of that, that means that whenever Tom Holland's Peter, hears someone named Osborne or Octavius, it's going to be like, Oh fuck. And that is interesting, but it also kind of pigeonholds it in a weird way. So I'm just interested how they're going to deal with that because you bring it up, uh, Liam, you bring it up Harry Osborne, like red flags, man. Yeah. I, and I see, this is the camp. Me and Tim, we talked about this on Twitter. We're both on different sides of this. That's why I hope that these legacy villains that we get aren't continuations from the Raimi and Tasm movies, just because I do feel like that what, like if they are, it really waters down an MCU Osborne and MCU Doc Ock or any variation of those things. I'm not saying that they even have to use those characters, but I mean, MCU without an Osborne would feel a little empty, right? Um, so I, it, it's really interesting, but you know, what scene kind of pops into my head when, um, you know, say he meets a Matthew McConaughey's Norman Osborne. I love how we've just, you know, made that. I know. I'm so funny. I love it. And then Adam Poulter gets out of Warlock because Zach had front standing. They're like, what? <laughs> um, Will we, Poulter. what'd I say? You said, eyebrows. Adam you said Adam Poulter gets Will Warlock and you just merge them both. It's fucking eyebrows. We get okay. It. That's the yeah. guy. That's the guy. And he's hot now. Um, you see his blonde hair? He looks incredible. Um, <laughs> And so say Peter meets a Norman Osborn, you know what kind of scene that reminds me of? The kitchen scene in Homecoming with Vulture where he knows, but they don't know. And, mm-hmm. and it gets back to that line from the trailer. I can't save everybody. What if it's about Peter trying to rectify those things? But I agree. That's just, it's just pigeonholy. And, and it's going to be interesting how they do it. Um, that leads into my next question. Tasm well, 2. I mean- 
Before you but, say that, yeah, sorry, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry yeah, I just yeah, keep yeah, saying yeah. all this stuff. Like, I've never on this show, so I want to get all my thoughts out. So, like, Bring people can know what's up. Because especially going into to No Way Home, me and you are on different sides of, of this. Because I really, really, really hope that these are the exact iterations of the characters that we, we saw in the previous movies. And I hope that they make it all make sense. We've seen the trailer. They say everyone dies in Spider-Man hands. We know that that's not true for Lizard and Sandman from what we've seen. And it's hard for me to come up with a reality that after that, those worlds continue and spider-man ends up killing them that seems bizarre like it just like it seems like he forgave sandman and and lizard was trying to do good mm -hmm. there's ways they can write around it there's it only takes a couple lines of dialogue of like yeah oh uh, the the you know potion or whatever made lizard even super evil this time whatever they have some things they can do i just think that if they're going all of this lengths to have these characters come into this movie and and like be there it is so cheapened if they're just, oh, they're just variants, and that's how we're going to answer all the questions you have. If that's the case, I would almost rather not have them in this movie and just yeah. let's have a Tom Hall and Spider-Man movie that's telling stories with our characters that we know. Because, like, otherwise, it makes no sense why these characters would be here. They're literally only doing it for the audience. So it's like, if you're doing it for the audience, do it right. And if yeah. you can't do it right, don't do it. So I'm hopeful they're going to do it right. I do think they're going to make it make sense. Is it going to make as much sense as why Doctor Strange would fuck this thing up this bad? Yeah. But you know what? That's the level of sense I'm looking for, and I am okay <laughs> with it. Right. And that, that kind of leads into our last question here. Um, second to last question. Tasm 2, a lot, of, a lot of great things in that movie, but also a lot of really bad things in that movie. Spider-Man 3, too many bad things in that movie. That's kind of the curse of Spider-Man movies, right? They throw too much into one, and it ends up being widely panned. There's a lot in this movie, guys. There's a whole Peter Parker identity story in this movie that is taking a back seat to Electro and Green Goblin and Doc Ock. And that's just crazy to me because think about the idea of like, you know, Spider-Man versus New York. It's never been the main plot of a movie. It is the main plot, at least the beginning of this movie. But then there's five other things happening. Are we at all worried that there's too much going on and we're going to fall into the Spider-Man trap that we always fall into where there's just too much happening and the plot and the story and the characters suffer from, wow, look at all the stuff that we have. Tim, you've, you've just reviewed five, seven straight Spider-Man movies. You are yeah. very in tap with this. What are you thinking? You know, I think John Watts can do it. And I, I think that we're, we're all right to have fears about this. I think that like everything you just said is absolutely accurate. And this is a lot. And every we just had a 10-minute conversation about like all the potential problems <laughs> that this movie is, is giving us already before even seeing it, right? But the thing is, we just watched Homecoming and Far From Home the last week. And Homecoming has so much in it, so much uh, so many villains, but like, sure, it's just Shocker. Shocker 1 and Shocker 2 are both in the movie, right? <laughs> we get a Prowler tease. We get a Scorpion tease. We get the Tinkerer. We get the Vulture, obviously. Like, there were so many villains in it. And sure, they're not, like, they don't get as much screen time as some of them in, like, Spider-Man 3 or Amazing Spider-Man 2. But honestly, they don't get much less, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and that was a big problem with some of those movies. What I think the difference is here is John Watts is really good at storytelling. And I feel like his movies don't really have, and you alluded to this earlier, it's not really A, B, C plot. It usually is kind of A plot, B plot. And they do a really good job of having half of it be about Peter and Spider-Man and half of it be about the villain and let the villain be sympathetic and, like, both... Mysterio is not so much sympathetic, but they built his story out. Like sure. it was like the reverse, uh, you know, he was a hero for over half the movie. 
and mm-hmm. then he's a villain, right? Whereas um, with Vulture, obviously, it is a little bit more sympathetic, and there is that that, that questioning, um, kind of like Thanos, right? Things that we mm-hmm. like so much about these villains. Um, I think that because we know these characters already, and that's why I'm hoping they are the exact same characters, we know their history. We know we, there's setups all there. We don't need all of it. What we do need is a little bit of explanation of why they're here now, and then we can kind of just deal with them being here. And I think the idea of five or six villains that are here that are like oh we're all we're dead this is our second chance at life that's the most compelling like yeah. situation ever <laughs> we're like okay yeah these guys are gonna fight for their lives because it's yeah. either they do that or they die yeah. so i think that they can make it work i i just think it's how do they land the plane like how do yeah. they how do they end it and i think that we came up with some really good ideas and what i love like you said we don't know how we're gonna get there I really think that there are so many options that I'm going to be very happy with. I, I couldn't agree more. And you kind of convinced me a little bit there. Like the villains, it's not like every single villain needs that their own, you know, motive or whatever. They can kind of act as a team, team motive yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah, like totally. we got in Homecoming. Like, and hopefully led by a Willem Dafoe Green Goblin who is fully the guy in the mirror, not, you know, half and half like he was yes. in Spider-Man 2002. Um, Liam? Uh, you know, we've talked about this at nauseum for a year now, <laughs> you know, the worries that we have in this movie. Do you think that there is a chance that, you know, with all the pieces at play, do we get, you know, one of the biggest criticisms people have about MCU Spider-Man, which I wholeheartedly disagree with, is that, you know, Spider-Man is always like half the movie. You know, it's not, you know, it's Iron Boy Jr. kind of thing. Do you think we fall into any of those traps or do we think that Tom Holland shows out once again, you know, for the third time in a row? We'll shout out episode one of the direct podcast, our headlining story, Jamie Foxx back as Electro in yeah. Spider-Man 3 back then because we didn't have a subtitle. I'm not going to lie. I am worried, but I refuse to bet against the MCU, against John Watts. He's two for two so far. Um, we both uh, reviewed Far From Home on this past week's weekly episode. And even though that movie gets a lot of like mid-tier flack, it's still a well-made movie overall. And yeah. I, I don't think that watts is overwhelmed necessarily i compare him to his trajectory i compare his trajectory to that of the russos where the russos got winter soldier civil war both were smash hits and when when civil war the big team up culminating a bunch of things going on at once worked that's when they were rewarded with infinity war and endgame theoretically i'm just going to group those as like one movie though because essentially when you direct part one you direct part two with john watts he hit two home runs with homecoming far from home. Now the risk right now is no way home. A lot of things going on at once. Spider-Man's civil war almost with how many variables are at play. You don't reward him with Fantastic Four if you're not confident in what he put out with no way home. I think yeah. Fantastic Four is his Infinity War endgame reward that the Russos got. For that reason, I, I have faith in this movie. I'm not going to lie. I will walk in with hesitations and fear a little bit but another thing I'll point to, Avengers Infinity War, two hours, 29 minutes. Spider-Man No Way Home, two hours, 28 minutes. Almost the exact same runtime with just about the same amount of variables they're trying to juggle out once. And No Way Home honestly has less, you know, and in the grand scheme of things compared to Infinity War. I know the scale keeps getting upped as the years and phases go on, but people forget how much Infinity War had to accomplish, and it did all of it. Right. I'm willing to bet that No Way Home at least satisfies us. Is it going to be a perfect movie? That remains to be seen, but I expect to walk out satisfied. 
as we usually do with an MCU film. Tim, thank you so much for coming on and joining us. You said that you don't often get a platform just to gush out and theorize and do your thing. So I want to give you as much time as you need right here, right now. <laughs> We've been watching Spider-Man for 20 years on the big screen. Yes, yes. You know, we, have, we have truly grown up with this character, not just in comics, not just in cartoons, but in movies. And that's a crazy thing to think about. You know, he is up there with the Batmans of the world as everybody's iconic superhero. Mm -hmm. What's a superhero? Spider-Man. Tim, what does Spider-Man No Way Home, the end game of Spider-Man movies, mean to you? Dude, honestly, like, I, I still can't believe this movie's happening. I'm going to cry watching this movie. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's, it's a foregone conclusion. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's multiple times. And I don't think it's just going to be if a character dies. I think it's going to be out of pure hype and excitement. Like, they're giving us this thing that when we saw Into the Spider-Verse a couple of years ago, and it was fucking amazing. I, 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 at this point, I can say Into the Spider-Verse is my favorite movie of all time period. Not just Spider-Man movie. It's my favorite movie. I love that thing. And I can't believe that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield weren't in it. You know, I can't believe they weren't just cameos. And I'm so happy they weren't. And I can't believe I'm saying that because it leads to this. We are getting them in real life. So much things had to line up for this to actually be happening right now. And we're getting it. Like, it is so crazy. God bless Kevin Feige and the boys. <laughs> like, that, they're, they're making it all happen. I... Can't wait to watch this movie. I have many fears about this movie, and I do think that regardless of its quality, there's going to be people that love it just because of the hype, and there's going to be people that are like, eh, this doesn't work as a film. Guess <laughs> what? That's just modern takes in cinema. It is what it is. We know what we're getting with this. But what I really hope more than anything is we get a couple things. I hope that Toby and Garfields are in it. I hope that they're not just there for the final battle. I hope we get to see them for a little bit longer. I want to, I want answers. I want them to fill in. What have they been up to? It could just be dialogue. I don't need flashbacks. I love flashbacks, but like, just give me some dialogue, like building it all out. I want to hear their theme songs. Please, please, please use the score from both movies, both trilogies, or you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, please give me that. And on that note, please let Tom Holland have an epic spider-man moment of swinging because so far i love the scores of all three um franchises i think that they're all fantastic but uh, the mcu tom holland one i love how it can switch from plucky to like bombastic boop, so boop, so boop, well that's so great but then but then it's like bah, 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 and it's yeah. like so great i want it to hit so hard because we haven't had that moment yet we haven't had the tom holland is spider-man yeah. moment and i i hope we get it in this movie and i kind of expect to yeah i couldn't agree more i think oh well where's the new york spider-man swinging thing they've been saving it they're saving yeah, that they i think they us have little teases we're gonna get the end of spider-man 2002 that swinging moment we watched it the other night i mean chills think oh it, right yeah. like that's as good as it gets they did it in uh tasm one with the acrobat thing um and i think that we're going to get that here with tom holland and i can't that's the moment i want the most i want that payoff totally last thing i want to say is that I, I i feel nobody is talking about because there's so much to talk about with this movie and the returning uh people and like good and bad and all that stuff one thing that i can't believe we're getting is a Doctor Strange Spider-Man full-on fight scene with Doctor Strange manipulating the city uh, <laughs> Inception style. What the hell? Like, that yeah. is the coolest fucking thing ever. And I, I think that leaving the movie, people are going to be like, yo, we were sleeping on that because that yeah. is dope as shit. Yeah, Doctor Strange is in this movie, guys. 
Doctor Strange <laughs> is in this movie. Like, and that's crazy to think about. Tim Geddes, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you and everybody at Kind of Funny for doing what you do, letting fans be fans. And that's Hell what yeah. we're all here for. Where can we find you in the 8,000 shows that you host on the internet? Because I know you're looking for us to plug your stuff. You need us. Oh, of course, resource, of course, right? of course. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Anything, anything I can get. You can follow me at Tim Geddes, G-E-T-T-Y-S uh, on all the social media platforms. Twitter is my main one uh, for all of my MCU takes. But if you want to watch the content, youtube.com slash kind of funny. I highly recommend you check out our in review series, specifically our Spider-Man rewatches. I know these boys have done the retrospectives, but if you've already listened to those go check ours out uh they are literally some of them are upwards of four hours per movie of us just getting into it um i will say a note is um if you are a super hardcore sam raimi fan <laughs> okay you might not like us you might not like us that's all i'm gonna say it's okay like they to listen to this podcast that. they know I like what's to up. tease <laughs> you with that but anyways awesome well thank you tim and uh guys the next time you'll hear us on these microphones we will have seen spider-man yeah. no way home. We'll see you next time.